There we go. Okay, good morning, church. Greet you in the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. As a mission team, we are so thankful for this morning. We've been uh, planning, we've been praying, and, and here it is. It's our Mission Sunday. And thank you, Luke, for leading us in, in worship and song. Um, that was um, wonderful uh, before the throne of God. And we're also happy that Jared, Jerob and Amy can be here with us this morning, part of, of the Sunday School experience as well, that you can go meet with them and Luke and Juliana as well in rooms two and four. So that's, that's so neat and the stuff that's going to be happening. But we feel blessed that Jerob and Amy can be here and that he can minister the word this morning to us um, they have been involved in, in ministry, living in, in the Asia-Pacific area uh, to learn unwritten languages and to bring the written word of God to those people groups as well, um, to living now in the U.S. where, where uh, Jerob is working on Bible um, translation and writing Bible curriculum to, um, to teach in, in different languages that can be used there as well. He said he's currently working on 1 Corinthians, just finished Romans. They're going to start using that in some of the teaching programs as well. In the short time that I have had to be with Jerob and Amy, it's just been a blessing to me uh, as I could sit with them for a little bit and, and talk to them. I heard of their love for God their, and their desire to serve Him, their love for their family and their love for people. And that's been manifested in many ways in the work that they are doing. And so I just encourage you to attend, attend one of their two sessions afterwards to, to learn more about what God is doing through them in this ministry that they have had. Before Jared ministers the word to us, I'd just like to have a word of prayer with him. Father in heaven, this is your day you have given to us and God, we are so thankful for your love and your mercy that brought Jesus into this world, that through him we can hear the gospel and respond because, God, you so love the world that you gave your only son. And this morning, God, we're thinking of that in so many different ways. God, what you have been doing through missionaries that we support, through people in this congregation as they reach out in various ways uh, locally and around the world, God, Thank you. May that increase more and more in our hearts. And God, as we listen to your word this morning, God, bless and, and, and by your spirit, empower our brother to share these words uh, about the wisdom of Jesus with us. And also, God, that we can hear it and, and take into our hearts those things that need to make a difference in our lives as we serve you here in this world. God, it's for your kingdom and for your glory that we pray this, and God, we believe in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. As I always say when I come to Big Woods, I love coming here. Um, it seems like yesterday when uh, Luke Brady and, and those his age were, were, were much smaller, but now he, he's, uh, man, this is, this is amazing to see people growing up in this church and going out in his name. Um, and, and of course, I miss the old building, um, but this is it's so beautiful to, to see you all here in one service. So 
I want to give you warm greetings from Mike and Libby Wild, our partners who are currently on the ground in Southeast Asia. And um, they went to Big Woods long, long ago, probably in 2001 or two, I think. And so they're our colleagues who um, are part of Beyond the Reef Foundation, small group that uh, partners with God and other organizations to reach people with the gospel. So um, warm greetings from them. And if you keep them in your prayers too, it's, it's busy over there. So um, we're going to get right into God's word here. I thought of putting slides up, but I thought, you know, I think we need to just even just close your eyes when you're listening to God's word today. If, if you just need to focus, um, I think sometimes we let everything around us run our lives. And if we could just take time to let the Holy Spirit of God, who is you know, eternal, and the one who, who wrote the book, um, he can work in our hearts um, even without the things up there. And so if, if you need to, just close your eyes whenever we're reading scripture and just meditate um, on what we're, we're hearing. So we are in 1 Corinthians. If you want to open your Bibles to the first chapter of this uh, book to Corinth. And uh, I find this a really interesting place, Corinth. Has anybody here been to the city of Corinth in Greece? Okay, I want to go there, but um, have not yet. Corinth was a really interesting place. I find Corinth like no other city in the Bible to be like uh, the United States of America in our society right now. Um, it was a happening place. It was a, a techie place. It was a, a place where people thought a lot of themselves. They thought they were wise. They thought um, they had what they needed. They made things convenient for themselves. Sound familiar? If they wanted to do this thing or that thing, worship this God or that God, it all depended on what was convenient for them. Furthermore, it was a bit of a melting pot or a stew of cultures and languages and peoples. It wasn't, the Corinth of Paul's day was not the first an original Corinth. It already had been destroyed by uh, the Romans due to some, some rebellion. And so at this point in history, this city is populated with people from all over the known world. There's foreigners there. There are uh, native Greeks there. There are Romans there because now they're under Roman rule. And this is kind of groovy. I like this part of Corinth. So there are two major uh, seas that come to either side of um, the, the bit of four mile wide land that Corinth is situated on. And these people 2,000 years ago created a bit of a railroad to bring stuff from one ocean to the other. And now there's a canal, I think it's probably 100 feet deep, they've cut right into the rock. But back then they had this railroad and so I think they thought they were pretty smart. They thought, you know, we know what we're doing and they were making a lot of money because ships did not want to go around south to the dangerous, you know, storms and seas below. They wanted to go right across that thing so they would pay money, apparently, to get everything across. And the sailors, they would have a great time in Corinth. Boy, imagine all the fun things you can do in a, a pagan, wealthy pagan town like that. So at this point in history, Corinth is like an up-and-coming kind of a almost like a Silicon Valley type of place. And always in human history, 
when you get that kind of a situation, people think they're pretty smart. I really think we have a lot to learn um, from Paul's words to the Romans. I think our society is certainly in the situation they were in 2,000 years ago. Some things never change, says Solomon. So wisdom. What does the word wisdom actually mean? Have you heard of the female name Sophia? Anybody heard that name, Sophia? Okay, so the Greek uh, translation uh, of wisdom is Sophia, and the word in Greek is Sophia. Nothing complicated. So, Lo and Nida tell us that knowledge, wisdom is knowledge which makes possible skillful activity or performance. It's specialized knowledge or skill. Now, we guys understand, we got it. It's a female name, Sophia. So us guys apparently aren't wise. It's just, you know, the ladies, we, we get the short end of the stick. Um, we're the kind of dumb ones. But no, that's not true necessarily. Um, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. But when we think of wisdom, what is true wisdom? What is, what is the essence of what wisdom is? So here the Apostle Paul, he's clarifying for us in the first chapter of this first epistle to the Corinthians, he's clarifying what wisdom is. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 1. Chapter 1, verse 24. And if you, if you have a Bible, please be looking at this. If you don't, just listen to it as best you can and meditate on this. So verse 24 reads, But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, that means just everybody, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Then jump down to verse 30. He says basically the same thing. In verse 30, in verse 30 it reads, And because of him... You are in Christ Jesus, who became, became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification, sanctification and redemption. I'm going to read again. Who became to us wisdom from God. So is, is Paul saying what wisdom is or who wisdom is? What do you think? Who? This is a person. Okay? And, and in our society, we, we value knowledge, information. I mean, think how fast we get information now. We can know all the wonderful and terrible things that are happening right now, right? We, we long for information. We have so much information, we're actually getting sick at times, physically ill, from too much information. And it keeps us up at night. God is our wisdom. And Christ Jesus is God's gift to us of wisdom. And I know this is preached here, but I'm going to say this, not because I don't think it's preached here, but just you need to realize that our faith is not about information. It's about a person, transformation. And that's why we need to slow down 
we need to slow down and realize we have all wisdom, infinite wisdom, and it's in Christ Jesus, and his spirit dwells in us. Do you believe that? Please believe that. I, I long to believe that more deeply in my own life and marinate in that. So here, Paul basically says it twice in the chapter. Jesus Christ is wisdom, and he is the gift God's given to us. Now, any Jewish or God-fearing Gentile, um, Jewish person or God-fearing Gentile would know from the Proverbs, chapter 8, and go ahead and turn to chapter 8 of Proverbs if you can. Proverbs chapter 8 would be well known to people who were loving the Lord at that time or a part of a a synagogue or or some kind of God-fearing congregation. And in Proverbs 8, we see this this, uh, feminine character calling out to people. We also see other feminine characters in Proverbs calling out to people um, in a very different way that's negative. But this one's very positive. This individual is trying to attract the attention of humanity. And I'm just going to read a few uh, select verses here. Uh, Proverbs chapter 8. Verse 4. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 4. She says, To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. Verse 20. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. Verse 35, for whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. I I encourage you to read Proverbs chapter 8 at home today as a family or on your own. Maybe you've meditated on this week. Just think about it and what it has to say. But it's God crying out to us and saying, listen, I have everything you need. You, you, don't, you don't need anything outside of me. In fact, if you try to find something other than me, other wisdom outside of me, you're like somebody who injures yourself. Have you thought about that? Seeking wisdom outside of God, it's like seeking self-injury. And those who hate wisdom love death. I don't have to say a lot to you who who live in this country where self-injury and unnecessary death is rampant. I actually recently had a, a foreigner... Um, say they were sorry to hear about all the hard things happening in the United States. I mean, we're tired of it. People are outside of our country are tired of hearing things on the news. But the basic problem is wisdom. Do you want to be wise? Lady Wisdom says, come to me, I have it all. Long for me. I mean, 
did God create longings in us? Yes, we long for affection. And yet we put our affections on ridiculous, foolish things, don't we? I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. We put our affections on things that are not wise in God's eyes. They hurt us, they injure ourselves, and sometimes they lead to death. There's a, a castle, a small castle my wife and I were in, and um, an old 13th century castle, and the walls, we were trying to estimate how thick the walls were, and it had been, you know, deteriorating over time, but we were guessing, we were kind of looking at where the archers would stand and turn and shoot out, um, and it seemed to be five or six feet thick. Now, that's before bombs and before, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? You're not going to break through that. Um, not back in the 13th century. I just wonder, what are our walls like? What are our soul's walls like? Maybe an exercise for us this week is just to think, God, what are, what are my walls like? My, my, my soul's defense against the worldly wisdom that wants to hurt me and destroy me. So, this week, if you can meditate on Proverbs 8 and uh, the passage in 1 Corinthians, you can just sit down and just close your eyes and, and ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, show me what my walls are like. Are they paper thin? Are they non-existent? Do I have walls that are just the world's wisdom that are actually between me and God? That's me sometimes. So, Lord, what, what, are, what are my soul's walls looking like? Are they thick enough to handle the assault? Are they thick enough to handle the world's assault? If you turn with me to Romans chapter 3, we're going to see the opposite of what Lady Wisdom in Proverbs 8 is talking about. Let's see the antithesis to what God says is wisdom. Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 12, and I'm going to skip a little bit. We'll start in verse 9. Romans chapter 3, verse 9. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have all charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, which again just means everybody, everybody is under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Skip down to verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, uh, in verse 17 as well, sorry. Verse 17, and the way of peace they have not known. So in verse 17, it says, they have not known peace, the way of peace. 
And then in verse 11, it says, no one understands. So this is the exact opposite of what God is telling us. We need to get wisdom above all else. And here, Paul's explaining that the whole world is shut up like a slave or like a prisoner under sin's power. There's no hope because we've, we've forgotten. We don't have the fear of God. We, we don't know the way of peace. Become worthless because we don't understand God. We don't seek him. Does this sound familiar? Does this sound familiar? I mean, you go to work and school every day and you're surrounded by it. You're caving into it sometimes, right? I mean, we, we do. We cave into it. I talk to my kids sometimes and one of my, my um, kids is a, <clears throat> a mechanic and he, he works uh, in an aircraft mechanics uh, job and it's new for him and he's just like, yeah, it's just all day long. People are constantly, their mouths, their minds, their phones. He's like, it's just constant pressure to be evil. Are you and I tempted to believe that this is unique to our day? There's nothing new though, nothing new under the sun. Think about Adam and Eve. So Eve is tempted, right? And what did it say? The fruit looked good and you could attain, obtain wisdom from it. Is this what God said? No. So Eve takes the fruit, eats the fruit, and hands it to her husband. And of course he says, beloved, don't do this. This is not a good idea, right? No. He goes right along with it. And nothing, nothing has changed ever since that moment. Nothing has changed since the moment that Adam and Eve chose that, that route. And ever since, we've been stuck spinning our wheels without God's wisdom. So Paul's proclamation here in verse 30, that Jesus is God's wisdom for us, it should bring reality into focus, sharp focus for us. It must grip us with the reality that the very being of Jesus Christ is our hope for true knowledge. It's the antithesis of Satan's lies, whether it's to Eve or to us, we have got to cling to God's word. It has to become the walls of our life, the castle, the fortification, the rock of our lives. We're not going to get it somewhere else. And I think sometimes we, we just keep thinking, well, I'm just going to keep spinning my wheels and doing just enough to scrape by. We can't do that. The world is teaching us every day what it wants to teach us. Our children are growing up in this, and we know it. You can't, you can't hide. It's, it's everywhere now. And so if we do not fight on purpose with God's wisdom, then the world's wisdom will win. So just like ever since Adam and Eve, humanity has been fighting this battle, we need to fight this battle, and more than ever in our society. Please turn to John 17.3. John 17, 3. And as, as you're turning there, I just want to remind you of uh, what, what missionary work is. Unfortunately, sometimes we say missionary work is for these people who have enough energy and insanity 
and language skills to go far away and tell people about Jesus, correct? I mean, that's, it's usually an exotic, like, uh, wish I could do that. You know, that's the line I get the most. I wish I could do that. And I'm like, yeah, I wish I could do it too sometimes. I just, I don't feel like I can do it a lot of the times. Um, the thing is, missionary, the word missionary is not in the Bible, by the way. <laughs> we all have a mission. What are you doing with your life? What am I doing with my life? Our mission is right here, right now, today. We don't know if we're going to be alive tomorrow. Our, our mission is to live for Jesus today. Die to self today. Right now, I, Jerob, have to decide that I'm not going to fake it. I'm not going to make it by faking it. I need to live dying to myself today. And as I take steps, one in front of the other, I am going to live for him and shine for him today. If I'm here, if I'm in Southeast Asia, no matter where I am on planet Earth, Jesus is the same, and he wants me to walk with him. That, that's missionary work. And I know some of you know that. I hope all of you grasp onto that, that you have powerful purpose right where you are, and if God sends you to the ends of the Earth, praise the Lord. But we're all here right now in Lock Haven to live for him right now. Um, and... Real, so we're in Durham, North Carolina, and, and we have 40,000 Muslims living in the Raleigh area. There's two mosques going up within a mile of my house. So there, you really, you don't have far to go to find people who, who, need, who need Jesus who are from other cultures and other religions. Um, the refugees pouring in is, is I, I think it's unprecedented, I'm just guessing, uh, but it sounds like it's unprecedented. We have an amazing opportunity as, as believers. So um, let's look at John 17, 3. And I want to emphasize this idea that we are God's workers. And, and it's done in the power of knowing Jesus. So let's look in John 17, 3. It says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. I'm going to read that again. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. That's they as believers, that's us. That we would know the true God and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. That's eternal life. Do we think about this every day? That eternal life is now. It's happening right now. It's it's. Sure, it's forever, but it's actually like right now, the quality of life. In this sinful body, I understand, and some of us are falling apart more than others, and I, the, every year, you know, I'm <laughs> place, I play a little soccer and I pull a muscle quicker. But we still have eternal life right now. We know Jesus right now. And the church, you guys, we're all in this together. So this is, this is a deep, intimate offer that God extends to us. Wisdom through knowing Jesus Christ. Wisdom through knowing Jesus Christ. Time and time again, the Bible talks about us relating to God as a wife with a husband. It's the most intimate relationship on earth with regard to camaraderie, romance, companionship. There's nothing more intimate. There should be nothing more intimate on earth 
than marriage. And yet, we're like an unfaithful spouse. And we see it all the time. And some of us in our minds experience that. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's almost like the norm now is unfaithfulness, right? It's like the norm, or the cool thing, or there's jokes constantly. And, and yet, we need to think of ourselves in relation to God as, as one who has been unfaithful to him. He's always been faithful to us. This is how it's been since the dawn of sin. We're like, we're like a, a, a spouse who's unfaithful. So this is likely why the writer of Proverbs wrote about wisdom and personified wisdom as a woman trying to attract people to what is right, not to what is wrong. See, attraction is really good if you're going the right direction. It's really not good if you're going the wrong direction. So knowing Jesus, that he is our wisdom, leads us to the next part of verse 30. So if you would flip back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to see what the rest of verse 30 says. Verse, uh, verse 30 reads, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. What's the next word? Righteousness. The next word? Sanctification. And the next? Redemption. Righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Okay, so we are, we've been talking about wisdom, about how to know what is true and right in God's eyes, as opposed to the world's wisdom, which is wrong and evil and twisted, immoral, deceptive. Right here, we get a description. God says, this is the wisdom from God, who is Jesus Christ, and he explains it in three doctrines, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Here we go. Now we're, now we're getting into outreach. Now we're getting into missions. This is what it's all about. The ends of the earth is, uh, at that time, I, I suppose, where Paul was in Corinth wasn't the ends of the earth, but that was new territory. That was, that was like reaching out into places that had not heard the gospel. So Paul is talking to his audience that had heard the gospel through his work. And he says, Corinthians, just like he tells us today, Jesus is your righteousness. What does that mean? He is the one who was right. Nobody else has lived right since Adam and Eve sinned. Everybody's gone astray. Everybody's an open grave. But Jesus, he lived a righteous life the entire time. And what, how do we know that? So I think of when the woman who was caught in adultery was on the ground, likely just, you know, at, at their mercy, they were ready to stone her. And you think of Jesus. And if I had been there, I probably would have, that kind of excused myself, like moved to the back. But Jesus walked right up and faced her and talked with her and in his words rebuked those who were self-righteous but actually were not righteous at all. He was living like, if you could see him, like electrical activity around him, 
He looked like this, you know, electrified, righteous one. I mean, he had the power to do that. He walked right into situations as complete 100% righteousness. None of us can do that. I mean, we might fake it, like I said, but nobody was like Jesus. And that's um, the big word justification. That's why he and his dying for our sins could justify us and make us right, fix it all, and put us in right standing with God. That is the mission why he came to earth. So Paul's saying, Jesus is your righteousness. He's your sanctification. You're becoming holy, and he is, he's making you holy in practical ways, but you've already been made holy. It's like we're seated in heaven holy. Kind of, it's a little hard to understand, but, but that's what we have. That's, we have Jesus Christ dwelling through his spirit in us, and his wisdom has brought, brought about these things, righteousness and sanctification, and then redemption. And that's, one, that's the word that really gets us into um, seeing people cross over from death to life. Because that word specifically speaks of slavery and somebody being freed from slavery. And that's where we all were. We were slaves to sin. And in the Gospel of John, it describes us as those who believe in Jesus. It's like we've crossed over from death to life. So Jesus is our wisdom from God. He's our righteousness. He's our sanctification. He's our redemption. He's done it all so that we can be part of his family, and that is exactly what we bring to any place on earth, whether it's, you know, Jersey Shore or New York City or Supeba Village in Southeast Asia. And do you remember what Supeba means? Do any of you remember last time I was here? What I told you, the village that um, last time I spoke about and I talked to you about the blind uh, chief who had several dreams one night and it led him to get in his boat and head to the next island and seek out uh, my friend and colleague Mike and his wife to ask them to come and, and teach them from God because th- this guy was confused and he was an idol worshiper and building temples to people and confused and, and he had these dreams and he went and asked for help and now there's a church planted there and do you remember the name of their village in translated into English? Subeba? Anybody? Wish I had some candy to throw a few. But nobody's getting it right, so Big Woods. It means Big Woods. <laughs> Is that crazy or not? I, I, as soon as I realized, that's, okay, it's like our church in Lockhaven. <laughs> that's awesome. So pray for the Big Woods Church in Indonesia. All right, so... I think what's important to me, part of what's important to me as we talk about Mission Sunday is to realize that as we go proclaiming Jesus our wisdom, who is righteousness and sanctification and redemption, we need to remember that we don't compartmentalize. It's holiness is a part of our message. The messenger, me and you, we need to be holy. And of course, we don't just jump like light speed into holiness. And we, there's ups and downs through our Christian walk. But it is not 
uh, it's not like a buffet where you say, well, I think I'll do the, like the information part of the gospel, and I, the holiness, man, that's, I can fake it a bit, but I'm not really going to go there personally, like deeply every day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to avoid that part. That doesn't work. Um, we, we have a very, well, several very um, serious engraved stories in the Bible about people who did not take holiness seriously, but we just, we need to go no farther than King David. You know, Paul says, not many of you were strong, not many of you were amazing people before you believed. That was David's story. David was a young man who was not super impressive. He was a younger sibling. You don't usually choose younger siblings over the older ones in that culture to do anything great like become a king. Um, so David had quite a beginning. He had a faithful beginning. He was, he was probably pretty good at you know, quiet times and singing to the Lord. And, and yet over the years, something happened. We don't know exactly, but he, he fell to temptation eventually. He actually, you know, murdered the husband of the lady he uh, had an affair with. And, and uh, I mean, that, that alone is, is shocking if you just take a moment to think about that. But what happened with David? He's, he's still known as the man after God's own, own heart. So what he did was, when he was confronted, he finally took seriously the need for personal holiness. He came clean, he confessed and repented, and was restored to fellowship with God and others. There was a lot of consequences, terrible consequences. But when we look at that, and it's in the scriptures, we can't like, we can't like fake it and pivot and get out of, get out of uh, the reality of that, that truth in the scriptures about David. We can look at that and say, you know, Lord, help me to understand where I'm not walking with you in holiness. Help me, Lord, to see you holding me in your arms because you so love the world that you gave your son for me. Help me to sit in your lap and just be honest. What is going on with my heart? How thin are my walls against the world? Are they, are they non-existent? See, this is Jesus, our wisdom. I'm fine with you calling this Mission Sunday, no problem. That's no problem at all. Just let's remember that the mission of God isn't just saying words and getting people to say words and creating a list of people who we think came to know Jesus. It's actually, it's a whole life thing, right? And I know at Big Woods, you, you value that family. You value each other. You're not perfect, but you value being together. And I feel that when I come here. I really do. I want to encourage you, as you consider Mission Sunday, and you realize that people like me and others go far away and bring the gospel to people in far-off lands, that right here where you're sitting, you have a great opportunity to walk with Jesus, grow deeper in your love for him and your holiness. And whether God sends you far away or he is just working in your family— or you're deciding, hey, I'm going to see if Lock Haven University has some international students that I can love. Um, I guarantee you, you will never regret focusing on 
your personal walk with him and your holiness, and that Jesus, his wisdom soaks into you, and then it just overflows. It'll overflow onto other people. And I will tell you from personal experience that um, people in other cultures and other countries are not fooled by the foreign minister. They know what's going on. They know how our teams are doing. They know everything. It's really creepy. And you just can't escape. And it's just, you know, you're not fooling anybody. And so the neat thing about walking with Jesus and letting him soak in and letting his wisdom be ours is that it's like real. It's authentic. It's actually something that just, it just flows out of us because we've chosen to spend time connected to the water of life. It's one of my favorite passages um, or favorite kind of illustrations in the Bible where Jesus is standing up in, in one of the feasts and he just says, whoever believes in me, out of him, out of his, like his seed of emotions, everything is just going to flow out like rivers of living water. And that's how I want to be. I'm not always there. And, you know, my wife can detail that. But that's where I, I want all of us to go. And to this week, just spend some time thinking, where have I replaced the wisdom of God with the wisdom of man? So let's look at the last verse in the chapter, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 31. As we're thinking of missions, as we're thinking of how to serve God, how to tell other people the super important, like all important information of the gospel, right? Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's why he came here. Like he came to find us and die before his 401k was available. Like halfway through to that point. Okay? 33. We, this, I just have to tell you real quick, we do have a, a co-worker who died at 33 years old in, in the tribe that we worked in, and he was Indonesian. He was the just the ideal missionary, was from a village, jungle setting, went to a city, learned modern life education, uh, training with a missionary, a missionary program, and he goes to the, vill- to the, the tribe that he was going to reach with his wife and dies at 33. I'm thinking, that was not smart, God. You know, that was my counsel for God. That wasn't very smart. Yeah, and to this day, I know the widow. She's wonderful. She's a faithful servant of God. I know the daughters. My wife and I know both her daughters, and they're amazing people. They're serving the Lord. And you just think, Lord, why did you take their dad away? Like, that's not fair. I will be completely frank with you. That was not fair. And I'm getting good at the impregnatory prayers to God. Like, God, it's not fair. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. And, man, God can take that right? He'd much rather us do that than just like, mm, and then go do some sin, right? He'd rather us just, just get frustrated and talk. Talk to your Father in heaven. He can handle it. So, you know, Jesus, the point, the point why he came was to die for us. So let's, let's look at this last verse and 
and see what, like, the summation of Jesus, our wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. What, what, what is the summary of it all? How, how should we respond? Verse 31 tells us. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is a, a quote from the Old Testament. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I mean, just take that verse with you through the week. This world is, is when I was a kid, I thought it was, it was bad, but now it's just completely about me, 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 and then social media stuff. This verse alone, I just dare you to just memorize that part. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. That's not hard, right? We can all memorize that. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Go through your whole week and say that like three times a day in your mind. It will completely, the antithesis of what you're facing all week long. But this is our hope and this is Jesus our wisdom. This is what he's leading us to be thinking and living like, to be boasting in him. And that's exactly the point of missionary work. When we go overseas, we're not going there to impress people. And when you go to cultures that respect uh, Americans, they want to put you on a pedestal. They want to put you right up there. They want to boast about you. One of the first things we were told when we were, um, my colleague and I walked into the village of Sawa in the middle of the jungle is the chief said, I want you guys to come live in our village, build us a medical clinic, build us a school, and you can be our government. That's what he said. (laughs) You can be our government. I'm like, at that point, I just said, wow, um, I really can't be your government. (laughs) And we can do you a medical clinic, you know, like a small one, and we can teach you to read and write, but can't govern you. But we are called to carry the banner of boasting in Jesus, our wisdom. So as we're closing up here, I want um, everybody just, if you could close your eyes and uh, just have a moment here to, to let God speak to you and to let this soak, soak in deep. Oh, Lord Jesus, our wisdom from God, we, we cry out to you that you alone are our salvation. You are, you are our boasting and you are our wisdom. Oh, Lord, permeate our souls. Permeate us. There are so many things that want to permeate our souls but permeate our being so that no wickedness, nor injustice, no deceit would rule our lives. If there's anything that is, oh, we pray, Lord, that you would show us how foolish it is, how destined for self-injury, and even death sometimes, prematurely, we are, if we are bent on human wisdom. And we're asking for your Holy Spirit that you would cleanse us and renew us and equip us, whether we're here in the middle of Pennsylvania 
or anywhere on this planet. Pray that you would cleanse us and renew us and equip us for this short life, very short life on earth, that we may glorify you until the end. We pray for those brothers and sisters around the world who truly do not know what today will hold. Even people this last week I met who uh, have experienced serious trauma and uh, hostage situations, and we know these things are real, and people suffer in certain areas um, almost like animals being slaughtered. And we just ask that you would lift them up. And as, as we have a very comfortable existence in, in comparison, I pray that you would give us just a sharp, a quickened mind to exist as though we're in chains with them or, or suffering with them. Please help us to pray for those who are in the same body, the same church, the universal church of Jesus. Lift us up, Lord, from where we've fallen. If we've fallen, give us hope for the future. Hope individually and corporately as your body of believers. God, we need to be a church together. Help us to be not independent to our detriment. Help us to live together in humility, in brokenness if we have to, in honesty. Help us to forgive ourselves and forgive one another. Help us not to beat ourselves up and not beat each other up. God, you've forgiven us. You've taken our bruises. You've taken our stripes. You did not die on the cross because it was fun. You had to do it. Help us, Lord, to receive your forgiveness. Help us, Lord, to Receive your wisdom. Help us to stand firm and help us to teach our children to stand firm in your wisdom. God, make us authentic people who love you and know you. May we be people who know the truth, but we also live it and are not like people who forget and go do something else. Thank you, Jesus, our wisdom. Thank you for loving us and being patient with us. I pray blessing over all these people, myself included, that you would make us people who are truly wise in your name. Amen. So, I'm very excited to have Luke and his wife uh, as kind of co-laborers today, so please go to see them in one of the rooms, um, and my wife and I, Amy and I, will be um, in another room. We look forward to sharing more of the details and some pictures and slides and, and uh, more of like what it looks like and what we're doing over there in Indonesia, so thank you so much. <laughs>